This morning's scripture reading is Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46 in the New Testament. It can be found on page 807 in your pew Bible. Let us listen for the word of God. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, come, you are that are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick, or in prison, and visited you. And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me, naked, and you did not give me clothing, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. With such a vibrant and uplifting service up until now, with a scripture like this and a sermon title like The Glory of God's Judgment, you could be forgiven for thinking this is about to take a sudden and terrible right turn. Uh, it sounds like this is going to be a fire and brimstone kind of sermon, and we aren't exactly a fire and brimstone kind of church, are we? Our mission statement is to preach and teach the love of God and to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ in the present age. We do our best to follow the great commandment, which is to love God and love other people. Uh, we even follow the Great Commission, which is to reach out of, to all people of the world on behalf of Christ. We are an open and affirming church that boldly proclaims that God's doors are open to all. But we don't like to talk about judgment. We definitely don't like to talk about hell. I'm going to be preaching on the glory of God's judgment. But it's not about that common understanding that's out there, that Christians get to go to heaven 
and everybody else is punished forever. And pretending that is God's love at work. My hope is to get you to think differently about divine judgment. And to take passages like these a little less literally. And to welcome God's judgment. To welcome it on this world and on our own lives. You know, I think one of the main reasons people are uncomfortable with the idea of a final judgment is that human beings are terrible at administering justice. And we have no idea what it would look like for a holy, perfect, and loving person to sit in the judgment seat. We frequently punish the innocent and let the guilty go free. Since we can't administer decent justice here on earth, let alone perfect justice, I think there's a part of us that doesn't really trust God to get it right either. And this fear is compounded by what Christian churches have taught about God's judgment over the years, which doesn't sound like justice at all, right? For very self-serving reasons. Churches will tell you that you need to be baptized, take confession, and profess loyalty to Jesus Christ to be accounted among the sheep in today's passage. This, of course, leads to silly conclusions like the greatest Muslim woman to ever live going to hell and a serial killer who converted on death row getting to go to heaven. And in fact, according to some of the most prominent Christian organizations in the world, the vast majority of the world is condemned to go to hell while only a tiny portion of it receives the reward of heaven. Now, if that's God's judgment, I want no part of it. I'd rather turn into the same dust as Stalin, Nero, and every other monster of history than for hell to be a real place full of innocent people. Look, I love my creator right now because she gave me life and blesses me daily. I love Jesus because I have a relationship with him right now. I love the Holy Spirit because she guides me and fills my cup right here on earth. I don't need the promise of heaven or the threat of hell. And I'm sure most of you here in the pews are with me on this. You're not here on this gorgeous morning for an extra long worship service. (laughs) Because you're afraid of hell or trying to earn your way into heaven? You're here because you love God. So what good is this passage? Why do we need sheep and goats? Can't we all just be human, like uh, Bren said in our children's message? But this is still looking at God's judgment through the lens of our own judgment. It reminds me of the time Samuel went to Bethlehem to seek out the future king of Israel. And he looked at the oldest son of Jesse, a handsome, strong, respectable man, and thought, this must be the future king. But the voice of God told him that God does not see as mortals see. For we look on outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And God's judgment was surprising. Instead of the oldest brother, God picked a boy, the youngest son, David, to lead. So God's judgment surprises us. It's not what we expect. 
It sure surprises the sheep and the goats in today's passage, right? Neither the sheep nor the goats knew how they would be judged or what waited for them on judgment day. The sheep didn't know they were visiting the king in prison or giving him something to eat. They did those things because of who they were. People with empathy and kindness, a connection to God that made them want to serve those who are often the most ignored. They weren't doing it for divine favor or looking to be rewarded. And please note, they aren't sheep because they are baptized into the right religion. It wasn't communion or baptism or professing a proper theology that saved them. They weren't the born-again sheep of the holy five-point Bible church claiming they knew the full gospel truth. They were just sheep, good-hearted, loving, gentle sheep. Likewise, the goats are not non-believers. They aren't the Muslims or the atheists or whoever the vilified group is of the day. They didn't know how they would be judged either. They were just doing what came naturally to them, looking out for number one. Now, I actually like goats, and, I, and usually in the Bible they aren't vilified like this. You know, in the Old Testament, a goat is a perfectly acceptable and holy sacrifice to God. Yes, their eyes are kind of creepy, and if you've ever seen a goat's skull, uh, it is the stuff of nightmares. But they're just being used here in an allegory. You see, shepherds would keep mixed herds of both sheep and goats, and it would be very easy for a shepherd to separate the sheep from the goats. Nice and clean, no mistakes. In fact, this whole thing is a metaphor. I don't believe in a literal last day where Jesus sits on a literal judgment seat and sorts through all the people who ever lived into two neat, tidy categories. But I also don't believe the universe was created in six days. I still find immense beauty and deep spiritual truth in the creation story. It speaks to the human condition, our relationship to God and to creation, in a way that no other story can And the same should go for the last judgment. The new Jerusalem, the sheep and the goats. This is a mythology that's not meant to predict a literal day in the future. It's meant to show us spiritual truths like this one. That when we answer to God, it's not going to be about what tribe we belong to or what rituals we participated in or whether we are Christians, Jews, Muslims, or Baha'i. How did we treat other people? How much compassion and mercy did we show in this life? And Jesus isn't going to get it wrong like we constantly do. He's going to look into our heart and see what's truly there. So all we have to do is get our heart right with God. Because if you've got a right relationship with God, if you have good intentions... If you regularly repent for your mistakes and try to make amends, if you listen to your conscience and follow the advice of the Holy Spirit that is within you, then you've got nothing to fear when it comes to God's judgment. You should welcome it. And all those good people you know who follow other religions, like my friend Jen, you don't have to fear for them either because God is loving. God is just. And, even if this scripture doesn't seem like it, God is indeed 
very merciful. Personally, I believe God is too merciful to punish anybody for eternity and to punish them in a way that doesn't ultimately lead them toward rehabilitation or new life. So the traditional hell of eternal punishment is not my personal theology. But here's the great thing, the glorious thing about God's judgment. It isn't my judgment, and it's not based on my theology. It isn't your judgment. It isn't the judgment of the Catholic Church or the United Church of Christ. It is perfect, holy justice known only by God. That's why we say judgment belongs to the Lord. And like the sheep and the goats, we will be surprised by it because we cannot even imagine. But God loves this world too much not to set things right in the end. God loves this world too much not to have a plan for it. And God loves this world too much for her judgment to be unfair or arbitrary. So let us welcome God's judgment on this world and in your life, for God's judgment is indeed glorious. Thanks be to God, and amen.